All right, everybody, it's Scoots here. We're talking now about the facts behind episode four, Caramel or Carmel. Uh, it could be more, it could be other pronunciations, but those are two that I could think of. So let's run through some of the things that caught my attention here, at least right now. Okay, the first one that comes up, they called it, uh, what do they call it, Millionaire Shortbread. It's also known on Wikipedia as Caramel Shortbread. Caramel shortcake, caramel squares, caramel slice, millionaire shortbread, millionaire slice, and chocolate caramel shortbread, a biscuit confectionery, a rectangle or circular topped with caramel milk chocolate. Uh, sometimes uh, other things can be incorporated, ground almonds, semolina flour, usually prepared in stages uh, with the cake-like shortbread made first, followed by the caramel, and then the chocolate. Uh, some of the first known recipes and references are from Australian journals and cookbooks from the seventies. So this is something new and millionaire shortbread uh, seems to have originated in Scotland. You can even look that up. The footnote is six. It was also featured in America's test kitchen as well. Here's the eight 1981 recipe from the Australian women's weekly. You got a base of uh, butter and sugar. That's it. Is that what shortbread? Oh, no, and then a, a cup of flour. So that's it for shortbread, eh? Maybe I should make some shortbread. That's all that's in shortbread. What, uh, uh, 20 minutes. Uh, caramel, 400 grams of sweetened condensed milk, sugar, golden syrup, uh, and butter. And then the icing is uh, melted chocolate. And that's it. Then you refrigerate it till everything's hard and you cut and slice it. Uh, let's see. Six says uh, how to make the perfect uh, millionaire shortbread. This is from uh, 2018 or 2016 by uh, Felicity Cloak in The Guardian. And... Uh, Bank balance be darned. This caramel cookie shortbread is not just for the 1%, but should use almonds, semolina flour. Is it worth making caramel from scratch? Let's see what uh, Felicity has to say. Okay, the shortbread, they talk. They do talk about uh, that episode. A classic radio is one part sugar, two parts butter, three parts flour, which came up in the episode. Uh, but they say Jennifer Yee from uh, U.S. Magazine and Food and Wine. Oh, no, from Food and Wine, the U.S. Magazine. Uh, uses equal amounts of butter and flour to make a soft, squidgy dough, squidgy dough that's more crisp than crumbly. It makes it for a nice textural contrast. The caramel. Uh, some people made it with uh, Dolce de Leche. And uh, Mary Berry's short Mary Berry's shortbread base. They uh, go back and forth. Uh, date-based caramel with almond butter. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah. Mary Berry Morton and Berry's caramels, which use condensed milk, golden syrup, lots of butter, prove most successful. And then the chocolate. So you can get that link from Wikipedia there. Let's talk caramel next, because uh, that is something that uh, I, I just need to learn more about, clearly. 
caramel or caramel is uh, according to Wikipedia, a medium to dark orange confectionery product made by heating a variety of sugars. It can be used in a flavor as a flavoring, puddings, desserts, bonbons, uh, filling, or topping for ice cream. And the process, uh, which we learned on the episode as well, though not all the people, is uh, heating sugar slowly to 170 degrees Celsius. As the sugar heats, the molecules break down and reform into con- compounds uh, with characteristic color and flavor. And you can make a wild, wide variety of things, including uh, caramel apples. Uh, the word comes from the French uh, caramel, borrowed from the Spanish caramello, or the Portuguese caramello, uh, which may come from the late Latin calamellus, uh, uh, sugar cane, a diminutive of calamus uh, reed cane. Uh, caramel sauce is made by mixing caramelized sugar with cream. Oh, so I wonder if that's what goes on stuff. Uh, or it could be fruit puree, fruit purees, uh, word purees. Sleep with me. Word purees. Uh, uh, liquors, vanilla. It can be used in a variety of desserts and as a topping. When it's used for a creme caramel or flan, it is known as a clear caramel. It only contains caramelized sugar and water. Butterscotch sauce is made with brown sugar, butter, and cream. Didn't know that either. Uh, but traditionally, butterscotch is a hard candy more in line with toffee. Uh, caramel candy or caramels or caramels and sometimes toffee, though this can often refer to other sides as a soft, dense, chewy candy. And that's made by boiling a mixture of milk or cream, sugar, glucose, butter, and vanilla or vanilla flavoring. Then the sugar and the glucose are heated separately, cream and the butter are then added, which cools the mixture, then stirred and reheated. So the glucose maybe is what makes it soft. Uh, adding salt in er- earlier, though, could invert the sugar, so you got to be careful of that. Uh, alternatively, maybe cook together, uh, but you have to make sure you don't heat it above the firm ball stage. <laughs> they would have talked about that on that. And then salted caramel, which has been very popular in like the last few years, uh, everything's salted caramel. Uh, salted caramel was invented in 1977 by Henri Leroy in Brittany. It's a form of salted butter caramel with crushed nuts uh, using a uh, Breton demi-cell butter. It was named the best confectionery in France in 1980. Hello, 1980 called they want their, their salted caramel back. Uh, in the 90s, Parisian pastry chef Pierre Hermé uh, introduced salted butter and caramel macaroons, and then by 2000, it became a hit with high-end chefs, 2008 mass market. Oh, so it's been in the mass market since 2008. Yeah, there's caramel coloring. Chemistry is uh, caramelization is a removal of water from a sugar. So is caramelization of uh, onion the same, I guess, uh, and I think to caramelize onions, you're supposed to cook them low and slow too, uh, proceeding to isometrization, merization, and polymerization of the sugars into various high weight molecular compounds, uh, di fructose, 
anhydride and monosaccharides and stuff, uh, modern recipes in commercial production, glucose from corn syrup or wheat or invert sugars added to prevent crystallization. Oh, so you could prevent crystal wet caramels. Uh, and you could also seal also caramel corn. Love it. And uh, dulce de leche, which is caramelized sweetened milk. Uh, so, yeah, lots of hits there on the caramel. What else have we got here? Sticky toffee pudding. I had to look that up. Also known as sticky date pudding in Australia and New Zealand is an English dessert. Moist sponge cake, uh, chopped dates covered in a toffee sauce with vanilla custard or vanilla ice cream. It's considered a classic, uh, alongside bread and butter pudding, jam roly-poly. Bread and, well, I might have to look these up too, I don't know. Um, exact reading, re- re- origins of uh, sticky, it's a sticky toffee pudding are disputed and unknown. Uh, it was uh, served as a dish at the Cheryl Bay Country House in the Lake District, uh, but food critic Simon Hoppen, Hopkinson claimed that uh, there might have been Patricia Martin who invented it in Lancashire. Uh, the Good Food. Martin has published a recipe in a book, A Good Food Guide, a dinner party book. Uh, the recipes may differ a little bit in the sauce. Uh, But Hopkinson said uh, that uh, she had originally gotten the recipe from two Canadian Air Force officers who had lodged at her her hotel. Uh, And Hopkinson says Canadian origin makes sense because the pudding uses a batter more akin to that of American muffin rather than an English sponge. Uh, How about bay leaf? Uh, No, not much on here about bay. Oh, no, here we go. Bay leaf's... uh, uh, aromatic leaf used in cooking can be used in whole, dry, or ground form. It can come from the Bay of Laurel, California Bay Tree, or Bay Leaf, uh, the Indian Bay Leaf, Indonesian Bay Leaf, West Indian Bay, bay Leaf, and the Mexican Bay Leaf. Uh, uh, so many different plants. Uh, it has uh, eucalyptol, terpenes, uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so it's interesting. It's is it a, from a eucalyptus tree? Let's just look up bay laurel and see. Bay laurel is a uh, aromatic evergreen tree or shrub with uh, glab, glabrousus, g l a b r o u s, glabrous, brous, glabrous, glabrous, smooth leaves. Uh, it's uh, from the Mediterranean region, used as a bay leaf in seasoning. And uh, I don't see anything about eucalyptus, so. Uh, okay, how about bread and butter pudding? We saw that earlier. wasn't in the episode, but it's a traditional bread pudding in British cuisine. Slices of battered, buttered bread with raisins layered in an oven dish covered with egg custard, uh, nutmeg, vanilla, and other spices, then baked. In addition to being baked with custard, the pudding may be served with an additional custard or cream, sometimes raspberry, strawberry, blackberry, fruit jam, marmalade, sweet preserves, uh, and other variations, grapes, uh, apples into the egg mixture, or unusual types of bread like brioche, lemon or orange peel. 
but traditionally you want to use stale bread. And the earliest bread and butter puddings were called white pot and used uh, other ingredients, leftover ingredients. Uh, and they, they could even be made using rice instead of bread, which gave rise to the rice pudding in British cuisine. And this one goes all the way back to 1700s. Uh, so, yeah, that's another one. Let's see, jam roly-poly. Some of this uh, we may have, you know, done before, but it's a shirt sleeve pudding. Uh, it's a traditional British pudding. Uh, it probably created in the early 19th century. Flat rolled suet pudding spread with jam rolled up, uh, similar to a Swiss roll, steamed or baked. Uh, it was also often steamed using a shirt, old shirt sleeve. That's why it's known as a shirt sleeve pudding and it had other names too. Uh, roly poly jam pudding was in Miss Britain's cookery book. Uh, it's a range of puddings now considered classic desserts of the mid 20th century, uh, British school dinners. And even, uh, character Tom Kitten gets caught in a roly poly. So, yeah, that's a roly poly. What else? We have poppy seed. I was thinking of Poppy, whose character on the show I've been watching. Uh, poppy is an oil seed obtained from a poppy, kidney-shaped seeds that have been harvested from dried seed pods and have been used for thousands of years uh, in many countries, Central Europe, South Asia, and is used whole and ground as an ingredient into many foods, pastry and bread. Uh, you know, it's also used medically, uh, the, uh, Egyptian papyrus scroll, scroll named Ebers Papyrus uh, from 1550 BC lists poppy seed as a sedative. Uh, also in the Minoan civilization, Sumerians. Uh, I want to see more about it in food, uh, food products, intact seeds uh, used as a spice and decoration in goods and pastries. Uh, they can be gr- ground. Oh, you know what I want to look up is peanut brittle. Stroopwafel. They covered a lot of Stroopwafel. And I bought a, a Stroopwafels in bulk uh, last uh, two holidays ago. Oh, here's a picture of one on Wikipedia over a hot drink at a warm of the car. Warm it up. Uh, there's a great Stroopwafels and coke, hot cocoa. I never even thought of that. I know that uh, when I was looking up Stroopwafels, I know they're like making a comeback as a. Uh, a more of a health food, probably with not as good ingredients. But the thing I like about the traditional Stroopwafel is it has a, a sugar, butter, caramel, and cinnamon flavor. So very wintry, delicious thing. Uh, Stroopwafel, probably. Uh, Stroopwafels, I love it. Uh, okay, cotton candy. Oh, spun sugar. I was like, why did a cotton candy come up? Uh, but cotton candy or spun sugar, fairy floss, candy floss is a spun sugar confection that resembles cotton. It usually contains small amounts of flavoring and or food coloring. It's made by heating it and liquefying sugar, spinning it centrifugically through uh, minute holes or minute holes. Uh, by which the sugar rapidly cools and re-solidifies into fine strands. Uh, it's often sold at fairs, circuses, carnivals, festivals, birthday parties, served in a plastic bag or on a stick, a paper cone. 
this candy floss in the UK, Ireland, Egypt, India, New Zealand, Sri Lanka, and South Africa, fairy floss in Australia. Uh, it's also uh, similar confections include the Korean cool tar, uh, tar and the Persian Pashmak. Uh, historically, it was a form of spun sugar found in Europe in the 18th century when it was expensive, labor-intensive endeavor. But other versions of history suggested origin started in Italy as early as 1500. Machine spun was, of course, who, who would come up with this in the as beautiful as irony could ever be. According to Wikipedia, 1857, a dentist came up with this. Uh, William Morrison and introduced it in the 1904 World's Fair as Fairy Floss, selling 68,000 boxes, uh, 25 cents a box, and that's amazing, but no citation, so we don't know that's a fact. Uh, then Albert D. Robinson created an electric candy spinning machine, and of course, G.G. bought the rights in 1907. Another dentist in New Orleans and also invented it. Well, Dennis claiming to, Dennis, we fix them. First we, <laughs> yeah, this is so funny. Another dentist says they claimed a similar machine in 1921. And uh, their patent was for cotton candy, which overtook fairy floss. Though fairy floss is a little bit better to say. It's a little bit harder to say. Flavoring, uh, let's see. I don't know, what's the type of flavor? Uh, Boo Blue and Silly Nilly. Cotton candy machines were notoriously unreliable until gold medals invent, invention of a sprung base in 1949. And uh, nearly all the cotton candy is now made that way. Pink bubble gum, cotton candy ice cream. I don't know, so it's just a popular flavor now, I think is what they're saying. But another thing that came up in this episode that caught my eye was brittle. I don't I, I, like. Uh, I think I ate too much brittle once or twice as a kid, and I swore it off. Oh, because we had to sell it. I think once uh, for something I did, maybe. Uh, but I just remember having brittle and it not making me feel good. But then I said, "Wait a second, brittle's made with toffee. I might like brittle, like uh, and its its components. I like. I like nuts." Uh, so maybe I could make some, maybe it's time for me to make my own brittle. Uh, it's a type, especially after Liam's macadamia brittle, that looked good. Uh, but his brittle's a type of confection consisting of flat, broken pieces of hard sugar candy embedded with nuts, pecans, almonds, peanuts, uh, usually less than a centimeter thick, many variations. Uh, Greece, Iran, France, um... Mexico, Georgia, India, uh, Pakistan, China, Vietnam, all over the world, they have their own kinds of brittle, I guess, nut brittles uh, for mostly, yeah, there's uh, sesame seeds, peanuts, uh, peanuts popular in the U.S. But yeah, I might try an almond brittle or that macadamia brittle. Uh, traditionally, make sure sugar and water is heated to the hard crack stage. It's uh, 300 degrees, uh, though some... Recipes call for uh, glucose and salt in the next step. Uh, nuts are mixed with caramelized sugar, and at that point, uh, spices, leavening, leavening agents, and often peanut butter or butter are added. Hot candy is poured out to a flat surface for cooling. 
traditionally a slab or a baking sheet. I saw a lot of people were using what says parchment paper, maybe trawled, maybe trawled to, to uniform thickness, and then when it's cooled enough to handle, it's broken, and it's rare to break the brittle, break and brittle. Uh, let's see, we got a. I'm trying to look through these articles here. There's a uh, hundred gifts uh, to give. Uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Uh, Oh, that one, we don't have a link. Uh, uh, there's one about uh, Badam, uh, Peanut, or Sheena, Sheena. Uh, uh, let's see, we got Goddesses and Peanut Brittle. Uh, Paula Dean's got a, oh, that's in her Southern Cooking Bible. So we don't have any direct links. Uh, what this is, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to make some brittle. You can quote me on that. Uh, so let's see if I miss anything else from this episode that's interesting. Uh, do we do? Let's see. Uh, oh, let's look up a little bit more about macadamia nuts, and then maybe if we have time, hummingbirds. Macadamia is a genus because macadamia nuts uh, associate with Hawaii and pancakes. Uh, but then, you know, sometimes I'll buy them or make them on my own. Um, let's see. There are uh, trees of four species indigenous to Australia, uh, New South Wales, uh, or Southeast Queensland specifically. And they're commercially important for their fruit, the macadamia nut. Uh, global production in 2015 was 160,000 tons. Uh, it's also an important food for the Aboriginal people. Uh, it was first community, first commercially produced on a wide scale in Hawaii, where the seeds were introduced in the 1800s. Uh, and for a time, they were the world's largest producer, but now South Africa is the largest producer. Uh, macadamias are an evergreen genus. Uh, and this one has its history bounced out by very professionally. Whoever did this one about macadamia nuts uh, has it almost like in bullet points. Uh, it can also be used as an ornamental plant. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's a little bit about macadamia nuts. What about hummingbirds? What comes up because uh, Tom was making a hummingbird cake. Uh, but hummingbirds, they're birds uh, native to the Americas, uh, 360, 360 different species from Alaska to Tierra del Fuego. Mass, ma, ma, vast majority of species are found in the tropics, uh, different lengths. Uh, longest humming, uh, hummingbird species is the giant hummingbird at uh, 9.1 inches, 23 centimeters. Uh, uh, they're specialized for feeding on flower nectar, but all species consume fly. But all species also consume uh, flying insects or spiders. Uh, they split from their sister group, the swifts and the tree swifts, around forty-two million years ago. Uh, I believe they started uh, around like it was in South America. Uh, they are known as hummingbirds because the humming sound created by their wings, which flap at high frequencies, audible to humans. They can hover in the midair at rapping wing, wing flying rates, 12 beats per second to 80 beats per second and smaller ones. 
And of those species measured in wind tunnels, their stop speed is uh, 34 miles an hour, 54 kilometers an hour. And during courtship, male species can dive up to 30 meters, 150 height uh, above a female to show off, apparently. They have a specific, uh, the highest mass-specific metabolic rate of any homeothermic animal. To conserve energy when food is scarce, uh, they go into torpor. Let's see what torpor is. Uh, Torpor is a state of decreased physiological activity in an animal, reduced body temperature and metabolic rate. I like saying metabolic when I say it correctly. Uh, torpor is enabling tor- torpor enables animals, you know, to get by. I wish I would have had this. I just recorded something with hibernation, but uh, I'm now realizing that it was torpor. Uh, seems to be a type of uh, hibernation. Uh, men, some animals can do it. Uh, birds, including hummingbirds, uh, for some animals it's a seasonal uh, long periods of inactivity. It's known as hibernation if it occurs uh, during the winter or uh, acidivation or vitivation, something if it occurs during the summer. Let's just finish up here. Circadian rhythm during torpor. Uh, animals that can enter torpor rely on biological rhythms such as torpor to continue natural functions. Uh, different animals will manage their circadian rhythms differently. And in some species, it's seen, seen to completely stop uh, other organi- organisms like the black bear enter torpor and switch to multi-day cycles, then rely on a circadian rhythm. However, it's seen that both uh, both uh, captive and wild bears express similar circadian rhythms when enter- entering torpor. Uh, bears entering torpor in a simulated den with no light expressed but l- expressed normal but low functioning rhythms, and the same was observed in wild bears in natural areas. Uh, the function of the circadian rhythms in bears uh, suggests that their system of torpor is evolutionarily advanced. So that's it. Uh, I hope you're uh, cl- you know like uh, close to a state of torpor, temporary torpor. Uh, Sleep with me podcast. Uh, thanks, patrons.